Welcome to the Dynamics Hot Dish, the podcast where Ashley Steiner, Allie Nelson, and Liz McLennan dish up the latest news and insights about Dynamics and the Power Platform. Join us to explore business applications and low-code development with tips, tricks, and real-world experiences. So grab a seat at the table and let's dig in. Hi everyone, this is Liz McLennan and I'm recording at Microsoft Build in Seattle. And I'm going to be interviewing Bob Sayer, who is the VP of Azure Communications Services at Microsoft. So welcome, Bob, to the Dynamics Hot Dish podcast. How are you doing today? Uh, good, thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be here. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Yeah, awesome. To get us started, my first question is, what inspired you to pursue a career in technology? And how did you get to where you are today? Good question. I kind of stumbled into it, I think. It was just having exposure to computers. I, I always loved math and science. I was good at it, at least. I don't know if I actually loved it. but. Uh, when I found my first programming classes um, and just around computers, I really liked it. Uh, and so it just kept building from there. Ended up going into engineering, found a programming class, took it, um, and just kept going from there. So I think really at the end of the day, I love technology and I love building things. But, but most importantly, I love building things that get used. So it's really, really fun to see customers get delighted by, you know, some solution that's delivered through software and technology. Yeah, I agree. It's really fun. I call it the light bulb moment when it yeah. finally like clicks of like the magic, like the power behind whatever the technology exactly. is doing for them for the business. And it's like, yes, I love that moment. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for sharing that. And tell me a little bit more about just your day to day role at Microsoft. Like, what do you do? Sure. I run Azure Communication Services, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit. So I have a little bit of a unique role at Microsoft because I, I run both the product and the engineering functions of a product space, which is a reasonably new product. We've been in market for a couple of years now. And so there are a lot of challenges around uh, thinking about the strategy of the product. Microsoft is in a really fast moving space right now with all the AI announcements and, and things like that. And so uh, I spent a lot of my time talking to my team about how we want to prioritize uh, what we do, but then, then also working across in other teams in Microsoft, like Dynamics or Microsoft Teams or the Azure OpenAI team, and just thinking about how can we take the communications elements that we're building in my team and integrate those with all those other Microsoft uh, offerings. So it's super fun. That sounds exciting. Yeah. And I'm going to ask more questions about all of that. Too. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited to get your expertise today. To start, can you just explain what ACS is for our listeners? Sure. So ACS is Azure Communication Services. And, uh, and I think one of the things that we think about in Azure is we really want to enable developers to build, deploy, and operate applications in the way that they want to using whatever layer of the stack they want to in Azure. And so that includes scaling the application. It includes applications, infrastructure, uh, data. And so Azure Communication Services is the communication element of that. It's a fully managed communication platform that includes capabilities like voice, chat, SMS messaging, video. And so any uh, business that wants to embed communications into their workflows can use Azure, Azure Communication Services to do so. This podcast focuses mostly on Dynamics 365, the power yep. platform and modern workplace. So yep. I'm gonna kind of talk about how it fits in with that Great. part of the platform. Awesome. So my first question is, we all know that Teams has calling. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between Teams calling and ACS? So the great thing is, is that the infrastructure is exactly the same. So, so one of the things that we can offer 
effectively the minute that we came to market with Azure Communication Services is the same global scale that Microsoft Teams has for calling. And that scale is massive. And so, but there is a difference in terms of how it's presented to customers. So Teams calling is an organization could go buy Teams, they could get a Teams calling plan, they could go acquire phone numbers for those calling plans and their, workflows can, their workforce can uh, use their Teams client to place and receive calls. Azure Communication Services is acquired through Azure. And so it's meant for uh, building in environments that may not include Teams. And those include like Dynamics, for example, where, where that is a uh, customer service app, a sales app, and uh, Dynamics includes Azure Communication Services under the hood to provide voice calling for, uh, for those customers. And so in D365, I've seen some omni-channel deployments where they use ACS for the telephony and they're porting over you know, Teams numbers to ACS numbers. Do you have any best practices or guidance around that? I think it, it's, it's actually kind of interesting. The porting experience is, is probably one of the simplest. Uh, in Azure Communication Services, so we make it pretty straightforward. But I think the thing that is the most relevant and important to D365 customers who want to use voice is the fact that we can actually use your existing telephony infrastructure. So, so some customers are going to say, "Hey, I already have a calling plan, and uh, I want to just use that, and we can we can help make that happen, uh, and we can we can go into the details if you want." Or somebody might want to port a number, which we can help or another customer might say, hey, I've got calling coverage through some enterprise calling plan in these three geos, but I need numbers in these other five geos. And then they can go and effectively just acquire those phone numbers from directly from Azure Communication Services. Yeah, would you mind sharing more details? It's We sort of th uh, break it down into three offerings. One is number porting, like you talked about. You already own a phone number. You want to port it so that, eight, so that it's now managed by Azure Communication Services. And we just have a workflow that you go through to do that porting. There's another thing that we call direct offers. And so if you don't have a phone number and you want to acquire one, you can just acquire it through Azure Communication Services. And so it's just like any other Azure resource. You you go build, uh, create a subscription with ACS, you build a resource, and on that resource, you go and acquire a phone number. And then you can pick the, the geographies where you want to acquire that phone number. So it could be in Canada, uh, it could be you know one of the countries in Europe. Then the third is what we call direct routing. So this is for um, enterprises that already have a calling plan. It could be with an AT&T or Verizon or something like that. And so we can effectively route those through, uh, through a piece of technology called a session border controller. And then you can still control it using all of our SDKs and APIs. So you can handle call automation and workflows. And then it could eventually end up with like a, a, a D365 agent working on the agent desktop uh, receiving a phone call using our, our dialer, basically, that sits or our, our calling SDK that sits inside of that experience. You had mentioned scaling. Can you share more about what you're working on with scaling the platform? This is actually super exciting because, especially from a Dynamics perspective. So, so when you think about the fact that Dynamics, and it's not just actually voice, uh, also chat, Dynamics chat, not, not a lot of people know this, under the hood is, is actually also ACS. Mm -hmm. And so when, when, ACS is built on an infrastructure that powers over 300 million, 300 million monthly active users with Teams. Wow. It's big. That's um, crazy. And so we're talking about like just massive uh, meeting minutes and calling minutes on a, on a minute, like every single minute, uh, daily, kind of annually. And so being able to offer that scale inside of D365 is super important. So if you think about, at least from my perspective, 
D365 is able to now go after bigger customers. And so there are these contact centers, for example, or kind of customer service groups that aren't just a couple of hundred agents, they're like thousands of agents. And so one of the big things that we're doing working with the D365 team is platforming more of their communication stack, including voice on top of ACS so that uh, we'll soon be able to, to offer effectively that massive scale for any contact center in the world. That's exciting. It is very exciting. Can you give any specific use cases around, you know, where you've seen it deployed from a call center scenario where it's changed the operations and the processes of the team? The brands that are are using this are betting their business on it. And so what what I think is really cool to think about is it's not just about a single communication modality. Mm-hmm. It's about an omni-channel experience and it's about a 360 degree view of the customer. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you take uh, all the communication channels that ACS offers, some of those are powering communication channels in D365. And then D365 has the 360 degree view of the customer, then then all of a sudden you can start using AI to really change how agents can deliver really, really great customer service to those customers. So, and, and it could be over any channel. So I could go to a, a chat website uh, or a website and find a chat widget and, and ask some questions. If I want to, I could escalate that to a phone call with an agent. Maybe mm-hmm. it's automatically escalated because um, the sentiment detection uh, detected I was frustrated, or maybe I say, can I speak to an agent? But then the context can be completely carried over into that experience. And um, D365 can use intelligent pairing to make sure that I'm paired with the right agent to solve that problem. And so the interesting thing I think that that we see as a result of that is customers are not only providing better customer experience, but they're actually ending up with better engagement with their customers. And so, um, which is super, super important. So I think combining all of those things together, powered by data and AI is is where the real magic is. It's exciting. All the new stuff with AI has been really awesome this year. And then of course the stuff announced here at Build. I'm interested, can you share more about that pairing? Like how does that work? How does it know who to send them to? I think it's I think it's based on the data that it's aware of. Some of it is configurable. Some of it is, and it's getting smarter all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning, like the AI that's available to help do that pairing is getting smarter over time. So, in the early days of, I would say, call it like contact centers or customer service, when you have inbound calls or inbound chats, those systems in the past have been very sort of static and programmed. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's you know how do I classify this as a, as a, you know, if I, let's say I'm calling my cable company and I've got a remote control problem, I'm going to classify that as a remote control problem. In, in the old days, it used to be that I would have to say I have a remote control problem. Now AI might just detect that out of what I've said so far. Right. Historically, you might say, well, I'm going to create a call queue for remote control problems and I'm just going to like define a rule that routes it there. And then I'm going to have all the people that can handle that problem ready to answer it. But there may be nuances around and I'm gonna, this is like an oversimple example, but there may be nuances around some agent or some group of agents have experienced this specific problem with this specific remote control in this area for these specific channels. I'm just making stuff like yeah. that. So what's interesting about the the possibility with AI pairing is that it's 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 literally outcome based. It's we're not just gonna make sure that we're optimizing every calling uh, every agent in the infrastructure we're going to make sure that the customer gets to their result in the fastest best way possible and that's sort of where 
I would say the AI pairing is headed in in what we're offering. It's exciting. Yep. It seems like a game changer. It is me. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, hopefully, we'll all start to have better customer service experiences then, right? Exactly. Because I think we've all had the horror story of not being able to get to the right person, and you're waiting on hold for hours, right. and that exactly. loop around. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's awesome. I'd like to talk a little bit about integrations. Okay. So a common scenario where we're seeing it used is between like CE and ERP integrations. And so can you share like guidance and just where people can get more information about using ACS because it still feels really new to, to some of us in the dynamics industry. And then why would you consider using it over like the legacy tools like SSIS? To be honest, in ACS, we're somewhat agnostic to how the data is integrated but it's super important that the data is integrated, right? So it's, uh, and, and what I mean by that is, is we sort of look at it as when a brand communicates with their customers, there's probably, uh, depending on the size or sophistication of the company or the brand, there's probably a wide surface area on which they communicate with their customers. Sometimes it could be a product discovery. Sometimes it could be, you know, calling an agent, specifically calling an agent or setting up a meeting. Sometimes it could be, I have a problem, uh, and I need to talk to a customer service agent. So not all of that communications ends up in a customer service area. Not all of it ends up in a, in sort of like a UCAS or like a Teams experience and not all of it ends up in a custom app. So the biggest important thing is that the data is consistent supporting that entire customer journey. I think the, the things that I find the most exciting are what was announced earlier today. Um, and this is sort of a different aspect of how to answer your question, mm -hmm. but it's sort of like the, the prompting infrastructure for Azure OpenAI. It's mm -hmm. how do you get, how do you influence the large language model to be very specific to what the customer is trying to solve with the right customer data at the right time? And then I think underneath all of that is going to be the the legacy systems that you're talking about because that infrastructure needs to be provided with the data that comes out of the enterprise. And so it could be you know some of the SQL services, it could be some of the legacy ERP data. That's just I think depending on the use cases that the, that the company is trying to solve. Anything else that you are super excited about that's been announced or is going to be announced at Build? One thing I'm super excited about is we are announcing the general availability of our call automation API. Okay. And so if you think about programmable communications, which is what we provide in ACS, everything I just talked about requires a company, an app developer, or even our partners in Dynamics to be able to build workflow and orchestration and integrate AI into the communications flow. And so a big missing component for ACS has been uh, the ability to do this for calling in the cloud. And so we have a new uh, SDK coming out that's called our call automation um, SDK. And so it enables you to have full control over your calling workflows. You can take an inbound call, you can uh, route it, queue it, add participants. And then the other thing that's super exciting that we announced is the ability to integrate that with teams. So if you think about a D365 customer service agent gets an inbound call and maybe they want to route it to a subject matter expert or bring a subject matter expert into that call, that person might be on Microsoft Teams. And so now through what we're announcing at, uh, at Build, we have the ability to program through our call automation and bring in that Teams user, which is going to be super powerful. I feel like with where AI is going, it's hard to even predict what the future would look like. Is there anything kind of further out roadmap wise that you can share or is it all um, too early to speak to? I just, I I'm kind of thinking like, you know, a couple of years ahead, like how is this going to evolve? I think it's, I think it's too early to speak to it. 
And I also think it's moving extremely fast. Yeah. When I think about communications infrastructure, so in, in a lot of things, what I'm talking about is like business to consumer communications. How does a brand communicate with their customers across any customer journey, customer service, customer discovery, product discovery? It could be getting a loan. It could be working with your financial advisor. And so all of that communication needs to be supported across all channels and it needs to be heavily powered by AI. And, and I think that's where uh, the excitement is right now. It's, it's all the things that Azure OpenAI is doing. It's all the co-pilot experiences. It's, it's how can we use large language models to not only help a conversation, provide a self-service bot, maybe, maybe get smart about determining the intent of the conversation and routing it. So I think all those things are gonna really sort of like rapidly come to fruition over the next couple of years. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is. So my next question is kind of the what keeps you up at night. So like, I know you had mentioned challenges in the beginning, but what other challenges are you kind of facing from an ACS perspective right now? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't think that I would say that the challenges are keeping me up at night as much as the excitement. So we're in an interesting space where there is so much possibility and so many areas for innovation that I think deciding how to prioritize and sort of anxiety about how fast can we get it done mm. is is probably the biggest thing right now. So we're constantly uh, trying to just optimize around what our customers are asking for and just figuring out the right lens on which to prioritize so that we can be really smart about what comes out in the next six months, what comes out in the next year, what's a two year, three year sort of horizon. Those are probably the biggest challenges is just the possibilities are literally endless at this point in time. And it, and it literally just accelerated with all the chat GPT and LLM announcements yeah. over the last couple of months. And so I think everyone is, uh, I used to work with someone who said you're like parachuting with your hair on fire, but I think that that's <laughs> kind of how it feels right now. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's been an overwhelming and an exciting year so far yeah. with all the announcements. Is there a particular industry or two that you think will adapt the new technology faster or first? Like, uh, where will it make the most impact first? That's a really good question. I think ultimately, uh, and, and when you say the technology, I guess I'm thinking of of AI powered communications that helps with customer engagement. Yes, that's and, a good summary. Yeah, I, I heard an interesting, and I'm not gonna get the numbers right. Um, an analyst said that if you asked companies like five years ago, maybe 5% of them thought that customer engagement, increasing customer engagement is a differentiating factor. Whereas now wow. it's like at least two thirds, yeah. maybe 75%. Yeah. Where I think the most value is, is where any company that views customer service as a differentiating factor. It could be a really like, you know, product company that really values the relationship with their customers. It could be a services oriented company. So where we're seeing a lot of success right now is in banking, for example, um, AB and AMRO, we just did a case study with them, which is all about virtual banking, automated, embedded in, into the AB and AMRO experience. It's all about delivering better customer experience for their, their biggest banking customers. And, and, and the bankers, the internal people in the company are on Microsoft Teams. We see a lot of it in healthcare. Yeah. Huge opportunity in healthcare. And, and this is actually really cool. It, you know, it, like Microsoft's mission is to achieve every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Ours is to do that through communications. And so when we can go and help a cancer care institute, for example, do a better job of connecting with, uh, connecting patients with providers and, and really like making a meaningful difference in people's lives. That's super exciting, but I, I think the, the opportunity is big there as well. Yeah, it 
seems like it can make a really huge difference. We had talk, been talking about kind of the pace of change. How do you have any advice for how people and organizations can keep up with the pace of innovation? Because mm -hmm. it's just going to keep exponentially going faster, I feel like. And I was just talking to someone that's new to the industry. She's just wrapping up her undergrad and she's going to school for data analytics. And she's like, after the keynote today, I don't know if I'm going to have like my skills will be useful, like if the, that job will even exist for that much longer in the future. So what advice do you have for people on how to stay relevant and keep up with it all yeah i think it's a good question i get asked this all the time from people who are outside of the tech industry and my answer is probably overly simple which is make sure that you learn how to use it as a tool and 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 so uh there have been so many examples in history where industries were disrupted by something that made people a lot more productive that's what's happening right now i think as any technology professional i think of it more as we're now going to be able to focus more on the meaningful stuff and delivering like real value as opposed to maybe something that can be automated. Right. So, so that's kind of how I think of it. I, I clearly keeping up on what's available in the industry is really important, but I also think that the best way to keep focus is to, is to see how customers are using it because that's, that's, that's what's going to make the most impact. And so anybody who knows how to apply the technology to deliver uh, better results for customers is going to be in a great in a great spot. That makes sense. That's a good answer. Is there anything else you want to share today? I think that's pretty much it. But it's just so exciting to be here and uh, like chat about the space. I love the possibility of, and I know this is a D three sixty five kind of, so I can actually I can actually like abbreviate it, right? I don't have to say Dynamics three sixty five, but it's yeah, a people D, yeah, know what you're yeah, talking about. about <laughs> but sort of like the 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 full spectrum of. Um, biz apps in general, like D365, Power, Power Platform, Power Virtual Agents, um, Azure AI, communications, those integration possibilities are, are, are gigantic. And, and I'm really, really excited to see not just what Microsoft does, but what our partners do for customers using these tools. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to the last question, the signature question for Dynamics Hot Dish then. Do you know what a hot dish is? Okay, so we talked about this before the show. Yeah. I I, I kind of do uh, because I was briefed. Um, if you, like literally uh, in the sample questions, it said, what's a hot dish? And I panicked because I didn't know what it was. Um, <laughs> so is it a casserole? It is. Yes, you're correct. And why is that? Is that like a Minnesota thing? It, or? It's a Minnesota slash Midwestern word. Okay. Yeah, for See, a casserole. Because I grew up in Michigan. So why don't I know this? I, you know, we've had... Michigan guests on before and they didn't yeah it's just not that yeah. broad of a Midwest thing definitely yeah. Minnesota and Wisconsin for okay. sure I guess I'm not sure if like the Dakotas huh. or Iowa use the term yeah. but you know it's a casserole mm -hmm. so what's your favorite hot dish well I've never met a hot dish I'm gonna call it that even though that's weird for me <laughs> um I've never met a hot dish that I haven't liked okay but I think that I would probably say just any any chicken casserole okay yeah but since you're an aficionado, what are the ones that I should be trying that I haven't? Well, my favorite one is actually a chicken hot dish as well. Um, I don't even know if it's a real recipe, but it's a family recipe. So my grandma used to make it, and she called it chicken yummy. And it was chicken, cheese, and breadcrumbs. Perfect. Yeah, super healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no vegetables. But the classic Minnesotan hot dish is tater tot hot dish, which is tater tots, beef, wow cheese so the tater tots are on top they're kind of crunchy that's and fantastic. then a variety of different vegetables depending on the person so some people will put in 
corn or peas or mm-hmm. green beans, but my family always did no vegetables. Again, not super healthy. Yeah, <laughs> straight out of the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, and I think that I really like them uh, as leftovers. Yeah. Straight They're out good. of the fridge. Yep. Yeah, yep. it's good stuff. My mom always used to get mad because she'd make a whole casserole, a whole hot dish, and think that we'd have leftovers for meals. My dad would eat the whole thing. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, they're supposed to be leftovers. Right, right. That's <laughs> so. awesome. Yeah, okay. I'm going to have to try some of these recipes. Yeah, yeah, look them up. <laughs> On a cold day, they're better in the winter than the summer, for Makes sure. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Well, thanks for your time today. Thank Bob. you. I appreciate yeah. it. It's been it was great, great talking chat with, with you. you. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Dynamics Hot Dish, your go-to podcast for all things Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to follow us on social media for even more insights and updates on the latest trends and best practices in business applications and low-code development. We'll be back soon with another delicious serving of Dynamics and Power Platform goodness. Until then, keep innovating and building great solutions.